Hello and welcome to the French Football Weekly Winterval Edition 2018. I am Philippa B and I am joined tonight by Jeremy Smith. Hi Jez. Hello. And by Connor Ketley. Hi Connor. Hello. Now, as has been a bit of a theme recently, we've got a slightly um, cut down schedule to talk about. But, you know, the... Um, Breaking transfer rumours fairy has brought us a little present for later. We also have your questions. We have the European draws and various other things to talk about. So we're going to dive right in with the 50% of Ligue 1, which has actually happened or is happening, um, which was uh, on Saturday, the multiplex was replaced by the uniplex. Thank you, Connor, for coining that phrase. As Reims beat Strasbourg uh, 2-1, which was slightly surprising. Uh, goals from Dumbia and Kataro, um, with one from Thomason for Strasbourg. Going on to Saturday, we had Nîmes uh, 2, Lille 3, in a game which saw... Uh, Font being sent off apparently for insulting uh, a, an assistant referee, which must have been some pretty big non-festive insults to get yourself a straight red. And uh, Galtier also being sent to the stands for reacting to that badly. Um, so Lille uh, coming away with the win there despite being down to 10 men after about 15 minutes. Uh, goals from Liao and Bamba and Pepe, that man again, um, with Nîmes scoring through Alioui and Dupre in uh, like the 92nd minute and then hitting the bar in the 95th, which was all very, uh, very exciting. Um, we then had Nice versus Saint-Étienne, which is brought forward from Friday, uh, which was a 1-1 draw featuring also uh, one red card aside. Uh, Dione opening the score for Saint-Étienne before um, Cyprien scoring a penalty, I think, mm-hmm. um, in the 81st minute. And Pierre-Lise Melu with one of the misses of the season late on um, to keep that a point apiece. And then our evening game was Lyon 3, Monaco 0, which is brought forward from earlier in the day, so Canal Plus had something to actually show on their 10th anniversary show, uh, which otherwise might have been quite embarrassing. Um, goals from Awar, Fekir and Mendy, which was a lovely long-range header with the left-back left largely unmarked. Um, Monaco also having a man sent off, Golovin off shortly after the restart. Um, so in the four games that we've had finished, there were four red cards, which was at least keeping the uh, the interest up. Of those games, Jez, which of those would you say was, in a sense, the most important for uh, for what's going on in the quite confused table at the moment? Um, I guess it's it's hard to to look past. Leon Monaco because it affects mm. both ends of the table and they're both two two high profile teams. Um, I think it was it was quite important for for Leon to to get the win, which on paper should have been straightforward, but it never really is with Leon. Um, to to remain in touch with with Lille and see keep up the relatively feel good factor of, of having qualified for the for the Champions League knockout stage, and then for Monaco, it was important for. Um, I guess kind of 
with hindsight, it's important for all the wrong reasons. And as as Henri basically said after the match, and I think again, um, in his in his pre press conference, to lose to Lyon is one thing, but to do it by basically having no fight and as a complete mm. kind of um, uh, I can't think of the English word again. I'm guessing like um, mm. denial of any responsibility is another thing. And, um, you know, th- this kind of thing from, from a coach is going to go either way. It's either going to um, sort of rouse the troops and we see the reaction or it could lose the players. So mm. it's kind of high-risk stuff from from Thierry Henry, but he probably doesn't have too much choice in the matter at the moment. Yeah. And I mean, also, yet again, I know Badia Shida was maybe a little bit of fault, but again, it's Jemison, again, it's Golovin. These aren't, I know they're not old players, but they're, more, that, more experienced players. Over 20. I, that, exactly. That's, I think, I mean, he, the subs he brought on were Diop, Silla, who came on for Badiashili, and um, Anuama Senga, who um, uh, we wrote about recently on the site. I mean, these guys are all 18, 19 years old that he's bringing on. Yeah, you know, I mean, he, he has to be able to rely on the slightly older players to do a job. Um Exactly. And they just did. Uh, I, I, I thought Benalia was actually okay, the bits I looked at. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those situations where if the defence isn't helping, then the goalkeeper is stuffed, basically. Yeah, Benalia had some very important saves. I was actually ready mm. to come on and kind of slate him. Um, mm. uh, well, not slate him. I think, you know, he's unfortunate, or rather Monica are unfortunate that the number one's been out um, for such a long period. And, you know, there's only so much you can ask from a backup keeper, but. Um, some really, actually, I think it was two, you know, particularly good saves, and then just all round, you know, a couple of um, decent ones in general. But mm. yeah, and I think we saw also in the Nîmes Lille match, which was, you know, quite tight and exciting. Bernardoni was also kind of unlucky on a on a couple of the the goals. There, but... Thank you. Um, Lille obviously shooting themselves in the foot a bit going down to ten men after a quarter of an hour. With Golovin, there was a spate of bookings just after halftime. I think Falcao got booked. Um, somebody else got booked for complaining about Golovin getting sent off. They do also appear to be losing their cool as well as uh, any sense of form and organisation, which is possibly not a good thing. It's not, but again, I think that you know that they've got they've got Lorient in the cup. Um, you know, mm. It might be a good boost for them to get a win, but. I was about to say, I, I, I thought, good chance for one of the League Two teams to, to, well, to get through there. That as well. But, um, you know, next next weekend's match against Gangon is absolutely massive. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if Monaco win that, depending on other results, they could push up a place or two. And, and you know, it's very different to, you know, going into the, the winter break having lost to the bottom team you know, in mm. one, one match all season. And the the fifth match, uh, which is being played as we record, and it's just hit half time, is Caen one Toulouse one. Um, Cowie opening the score on 18 minutes, and the wonderful Max Alain Gradel uh, equalising just before half time. So Caen and Toulouse are still playing now, and um, later this evening we will have uh, is it Orléans PSG 
uh, not featuring Neymar, who is apparently tired or hurt or something. Um, and then there's uh, the other Coupe de la Ligue games uh, happening tomorrow, Wednesday, which start with Amiens OL as the early game, and then a spate of games at nine o'clock, including Monaco versus Lorient, which I'm sure our good friend Chris will be watching with great interest to see if his uh, hake can um, overturn uh, Monaco and get through to the next round. Okay, so after Ligue 1 that's happened or is happening, uh, we've also had obviously the European results and the draw because last week we spoke, I think, after Monaco had been humbled by Dortmund and PSG had cantered merrily home against uh, Sven Svesda. We then saw um, Lyon draw 1-1 away at Shakhtar Donetsk in Kiev, I think, with Fekir getting the goal for them, which put them through. Um, on the Thursday in the Europa League, OM uh, embarrassed themselves slightly, losing 3-1 at home to Apollon, um, having two men sent off, Kamara, after seven minutes in a campus in a kind of fit of frustration in injury time. So I, also, they, I also read that um, Limassol rested six first-team players. Yeah, uh, the, there was a double for Maglika and a 56-minute uh, final goal for Stilianon. Stilianu, my handwriting is terrible. Um, then we had Ren uh, beating Astana 2-0 with a double from Ismail Assar, uh, which was uh, a very good result, puts them through uh, to be the third representative of France in the knockout stages. And Bordeaux beat Copenhagen 1-0 away with a goal from Jimmy Briand, but Slavia Prague winning 2-0 against Zenit put both of them through, so Bordeaux who were bottom of the table going into that match, are out. So our representatives in the knockout stages are PSG, OL and Ren. PSG will be away at Manchester United, who have had a quiet couple of days. Uh, OL will host Barcelona and Ren will host Betis. So... Uh, Pick one of these, Jez. What do you want to go for? Um, I'm going to go Lyon Barcelona again. Mm -hmm. um, it's 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 a match that that has got a little bit of, of previous, not not in terms of nastiness, but there's been some some very good ties between them in the past. Um, there's been you know, lots doing around BT Sport have been promoting it a lot with with you know, brilliant junior free kicks and coupe double saves, which in my opinion, still the, the greatest save in history. Um, so, I, you know, I think Lyon have done, although they've only had the one win, I think they've had a really good um, qualifying group um, to, to get through that group unbeaten, um, to show character a few times, to, to come back from behind, even if also they've, they've given away a few leads, um, I think is, is really impressive, you know, particularly that last match in, in horrific conditions come back and get the draw there so I think anything now is a bonus and particularly with a draw like this I think that, you know, there's, there's really no pressure on them um, the fact that they they can beat City away shows that on their day if, if their opponent is a little bit off and they're at their best they can be a match for anyone so um, you know I don't expect them to get through but I think it should be a really good occasion it should be a good showcase for 
for players like Fekir, Alwar and, and, and Zambele who may or may not be looking to, to, to move on in the summer. So I think there should be two powerful matches. Yeah, I think also the, the atmosphere. Because if it's a, a tie like this, like say if OL had got, who was it? Everybody was bitching about Porto or something. It would be like, yeah, come on. But this is going to be, the fans are going to be so so up for this and yeah, I, think, I know well, that the new camp is is a special place but uh, uh i think park ol will you know make their feelings clear yeah i think olas was saying he wanted real madrid didn't he before the draw so i, I doubt he'll be too disappointed if, if he was looking for a glamour tie mm. definitely so we'll say if you look at the um the, the man united next coach betting it might, be a good, it might be a good audition for Genesio. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Him. They've got everybody on there. Um, so this kind of, Connor, leaves you with um, Man U PSG. We've had a couple of questions about this, mm. uh, one of which we were discussing briefly earlier. Uh, Capt, uh on Twitter says, does Mbappe have to develop a heading game has anyone seen him score with his head? Now, I was trying to look this up because I genuinely couldn't think of any. Uh, and I believe you have found the stats. What well, are they? Well, lucky, uh, luckily, I uh, managed to come across it. So uh, he scored allegedly five of his 63 uh, club goals um, by his head. Uh, one of which was against Bayern Munich, actually, uh, in the yeah. Champions League, which um, you know I thought we'd remember a bit clearer, but maybe it was a, a little tap in. But either way, so um, five of sixty-three. I guess it's not you know as bad as some forwards would be. Well, um, I think it depends what kind of sure, forward, yeah. isn't it? Because well, I was thinking, if he's playing on the wing and just running at people and jinking past them and whatever, whatever. This isn't bad, but if he is going to be at any point put up front central, which has happened mm. a couple of times, then obviously being the target man becomes more of an issue. Mm. So I'm not sure if he has to develop it. Obviously, it would be a good idea, but um, you just in the, in this game in particular, where do you think you know the, the, the front three were? What would that be? On that quickly, I think the obvious comparison is Thierry Henry. He's always compared with him. He, he was, I think actually they're both good headers of the ball, and it's weird that they don't score more with their heads, but you know, it didn't do any too much damage in terms of yeah. statistics. So. Yeah. So the other question we had was from Corey Michael, who is CoreyMC12 on Twitter. It appears that Man U Media and fans believe PSG is a tough draw. Um, Thoughts on the matchup? Do you see the separating league and schedule affecting PSG at all? Obviously, we've got all of these, you know, last weekend, the weekend before, various issues with actually playing all games. Normally, we say that, you know, PSG's league form doesn't help them because they don't have good opponents. Now they're not getting any games at all. Um, what do we think about this this matchup? Because obviously Manu have just lost, fired, misplaced, whatever, <laughs> their manager. You know, how how do you see this panning out? I mean it's gonna um, be it's gonna be a while before it's played, so they might have got the next sacrificial lamb in, but Yeah, I I don't know what the actual general consensus is, but I imagine uh, that PSG are the favourites on most people's, um, you know, mm. scorecards, if you like, at this point. 
Um, I thought they would. Yeah, I thought they would have been before anyway, as well. You know, regardless mm. of of Mourinho, and I, I guess there's two ways of looking at it as well. You know, some people saying, uh, is it now a tougher tie now that Mourinho's gone? Um, I, I don't know. I, I think it, it, obviously it all depends on who they get in, um, but I, I think you know Mourinho as turgid as it was towards the end. You can't. You just can't write him off when it comes to scraping these, uh, you know, these wins against the against the big teams in the Champions League. Uh, I still think PSG would have gone through, and I still think they will go through. Um, I, you know, so it's seeing what they did to Liverpool, and even when they had that terrible performance at Anfield, they still scored. Um, you know, they still managed to score. So <laughs> I don't really see there being, well, you know, this is classic. Going to put a curse on this, but I don't think PSG will be too disappointed with that draw. No, uh, Jez, are you in the same in the same vein? Do you think? Yeah, definitely. And I think Connor's absolutely right that Mourinho is always capable of, of raising his team. And, you know, somehow they, they, they've got good results against Juventus, for example. And then PSG are always capable of coming up with a bad match. But I think PSG is definitely starters favourites here. Even in, you know, one's making a lot of fuss about how they disappoint in the, in the knockout stages the past few years. But, you know, to be fair to them, they've generally gone out to, to teams they that are as Barcelona, good, if not better. Yeah, I remember yeah. they beat Barcelona 4-0, even though they crushed them in the second round. Even last year, the first first leg against Real Madrid, I think for the most part, they, they outplayed them. And they had to get, go on to, to win it for the third straight year, so they're not a shabby team. Um, you know, to me, the, the biggest disappointment probably was that beating Chelsea and then going on to, to, to lose to the Man City team who are not as good as the Man City team today. But I think on paper, in terms of knockout stages, this is, um, you know, this is, as Connor said, probably as, as, as good as they could have hoped for. And I think it would be a massive disappointment. You know, however big the name Man United is, this isn't a big Man United team. It would be a massive disappointment if, if the FG can go through. Mm. And our, our third match is Ren versus Betis, uh, which is where Ria Budaboos is. Now, which I'd completely forgotten, as well as... And Lo Celso. Yep, Lo Celso, also old uh, league on favourite uh, Aisa Mendy. Uh, Mandy, at, uh, at uh, left back. Um, Ren are kind of pretty cheerful at the moment, aren't they? It's a pity we don't have, have Rich on. Uh, he's uh, overwhelmed with work at the moment, unfortunately. Um, but yes, it's that also looks like an interesting, an interesting setup because Ren are what eleventh at the moment. Although the games in hand thing is just ridiculous, so they can, you know, that they look fairly comfortable. They're not going to be in any danger. So why not have a crack at uh, have a crack at the Europa League, and that's a decent enough draw for them. Um, Jez, what do you think is is going to come out of come out of their draws with Betis? I think it's it's quite intriguing. I think they could have had a much better draw. They could have had a much worse draw. I think. Mm. Yeah, I'd say Betis aren't quite up there with the the, the Napoli's and maybe even the, the Arsenal. Are they they fifth in the La Liga. That's what I was going to say. But, mm, but they are they are fifth. They're not you know, they're certainly not a bad team and, and not to be underestimated. But I think it's 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 a yeah an intriguing sort of potentially 
make all tie for Ren, at least they don't have to travel to, to the sort of far eastern Europe or anything like that. And yeah, as you said, Ren, Ren are cheerful at the moment. To be honest, I've been a, I've got a little bit tired of all the fuss about Julian Stefan up till now. I mean, yes, he's had a good start, and and yes, it's really sweet seeing how the players seem to adore him. But the three wins so far, okay, Lyon. Very good, although Lyon are flaky. The other two were at home to Dijon and at home to Astana. So I think people are slightly overdoing how amazing he is. And then, you know, oh, isn't he great because he, he made a point about how Lanushi coached five sixths of a camp at the group stage. I mean, you know, I'm stating that's just a fact. Really, yeah, we're we really giving him huge credit and saying he's a great human being or something for that. So I'm not saying he's going to be bad or anything like that. I just think that let's, let's calm our boots a little bit. <laughs> but it, it should be two good matches because, again, Ren, yeah. Ren can play very good football. better than a good football inside. So, yeah, it should be fun to watch. There's, there's goals each way there, yeah. I think it's is fair to say. Uh, moving on to somewhere else down near the bo- that area of the table, another question. Um, comes from Josh Owen Morris, who is Josh Owen Morris on Twitter. Will Nantes go down if they sell Salah? There's been a lot of rumours about Salah. Um, Nantes haven't played for a while, but uh, most recently beat Marseille. Um, but they are a little bit limited uh, in that in that sense. How are we maybe responding to that question? Uh, go down surely but it might get a little (laughs) bit more tricky yeah for sure I mean was it um kind of 12 goals he scored so far which is exactly half of their total um in the league which is a very high amount top of the table with Mbappe yeah uh yeah and Pepe I think as well as of uh, 11 I think I think oh, he's okay. still on eleven with Flotov and um, Neymar. No, he's, he's on twelve now. He's on twelve now. Yeah, the uh-huh. keeper's not updated their website. What a surprise! Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, but well, I mean, obviously somebody else would come in, and you know he hadn't really set the world alight before this year. So you'd imagine that you know, if in in a world where he did leave, then they got someone else in. You know, you'd think they'd be fine, but yeah, I guess there's no way to really know when you lose you know, half of your goals, that is massive. And whether it's, you know, the system they play, et cetera. Um, I think in particular, Bushili has been particularly good for them. Um, I think um, I've seen it, as well, it says but, here he's got 12 goals in the past two seasons in the full season. So he's already hit his last two seasons total uh-huh. before Christmas. Yeah. So, yes, I mean, this is a bit of an on-fire yeah, is it a flash in the pan? I mean, he's um, he's not Possibly. young either, is he? I'm not sure how old he is exactly, but twenty-eight. Well, I, know, I thought I thought it was a bit older actually, but um, yeah, well, it's the prime of his career then, isn't it? So, um, obviously, see <laughs> see if he can carry it on for the rest of the season, but it will do well to keep pace with the other two. Um, else, so elsewhere in the uh, kind of goal scoring front, we've got Pepe as we we discussed, Tovan, Neymar. Cavani, and then we get down to um, on the eights. We got Camano of Bordeaux, Casri of Saint Etienne, and Le Bomotiba of Strasbourg. So we've got a really nice kind of mix of, of who's actually kind of hitting the back of the net here, which uh, I think is quite uh, quite interesting. Now, one thing 
we're going to move on to, as we said, the um, transfer rumor fairy fed us, um, fed us some stories. Uh, there's a whole thing going on with Rabio and PSG and with PSG and their scheduling given that we've had uh, two, ga- two games put off for them and for many other teams as well. Um, we've got a very kind of confused situation on our hands where um, game 17 might be mostly played in January and game 18 mostly played in February because there's a shitload of kind of midweek cup games and other things where people are going to have to you know, move around what's actually available. Um, and one thing is that PSG Montpellier gave from game 17 was supposed to be played on the 15th or 16th of January, but that's apparently being put off because Jez, please take over before I get cross. Okay, so I haven't got to the bottom of whether they're actually playing or not. Apparently no actual friendly matches have been scheduled. That's what um, he said in Ligue. Okay, so basically... PSG are going to Qatar to fulfil some various sponsors' commitments. Um, so in that case, it's basically going to Qatar to, to sit and watch a tournament being played rather than playing. They've described it as a stage, but this is after three games have been played. I mean, yeah. you have a stage over Christmas. I There's think a, calling a, it a France game, calling it a stage. and a. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to be making the coffee and doing the photographing, fair enough. But it's like... But I mean, if you're, that kind if you're basically just saying it's a training holiday, I think it weakens their argument even more. Um, now, it's I, mid-season. I, I some, Sorry, I, I said something. I wasn't going to get cross. And I, uh, go ahead. Um, I posted something about it and got sort of lots of agreement from non-PSG fans and, and lots of criticism from PSG fans. Mm-hmm. Um and I see the point to an extent, but it still makes me very uncomfortable. One of the, one of the points that was made, which is, is fair and is mystifying, is that it was, I think, unanimously all the other league and presidents who, who voted and agreed with it, which certainly Zazakarian was pretty mystified and, and a little bit annoyed about. Um, secondly, a lot of people said, well, you know, it's not their fault that their match was postponed. Um, you know, that they, they picked a time where they could have, um, all things being equal, been free to go to Qatar and, you know, it's things beyond their control. That means that now they have to change it. So why, why are you saying it's all their fault? And other people, which is... It's the really- not a scheduled break, to quote friends. They were well, not think- on a break. <clears throat> Sorry, continue. Well, it was, it was, it's their choice. I mean, if there hadn't been any postponed matches needing to be played, if they choose to, you know, go straight from any match, you know, go abroad and come back sort of five minutes before their next match starts, it's, it's their choice to do that. Um, but when it's affecting other teams, then I think it's a completely different thing. I think it's completely out of order. It's, it's totally unfair to Montpellier. I think it's unfair to the other all the other teams as well because it's it's skewing um you know you want all the teams to be more or less on equal number of number of matches played as much as possible 
um, to have a better reflection of how the league's going, that kind of thing, and you know, the matches are more spread out. And I just, I think it's disrespectful to the league and it's disrespectful to all the other clubs. But at the same time, they've disrespected themselves by all agreeing to it. And one of the things that really worries me is that a lot of people have kind of retorted PSG fans again retorted saying well you know it's only thanks to PSG that all the other teams are getting so much TV money it's only thanks to PSG that there's all this sponsorship within Ligue 1 so you should let them do that to me that's a very very dangerous road to go down because that is I mean you know one step away from basically saying you know let's fix things to, to make sure that they win everything to keep them happy so that it helps everyone else and you know that's a step away from saying this isn't you know it's it's not exactly a, a fair playing field at the moment anyway, but that's basically saying let's make sure that it stays that way and even more so just to to, to keep the status quo, which is very, very worrying. Yeah. Um, one other thing where we do have a knockout stage, which is in mid-February, is the Europa, uh, sorry, the UEFA Youth League, where of the round of 16, four French teams are through which is fabulous news. We've got uh, Monaco will be travelling to Chelsea in the battle of the who can get more of these players on loan somewhere in Belgium at some point. A derby. Uh, Montpellier will be playing Benfica. PSG will be away at Hertha Berlin. And Lyon will be away at Sigma Olomouc, who are from the Czech Republic. Um, so there's really a more good signs uh, coming up in youth team in uh, French football because four out of the 16 teams I think that's more that's more than any other uh, any other league uh, that's at that stage of the UEFA youth league looks really positive stuff so you know we're we're pleased to see that that kind of thing is is going on because Rio Griffiths um, mm. who Leon signed from, from Spurs in the summer, scored an excellent hat-trick. Not, it's not in the European League, but in the Coupon Bardella, he scored a great hat-trick for Leon this weekend. Ah, so, it's, of course, because Montpellier are in there because of the Gambadella from last year. So, obviously, that's um, kicking off again. Uh, and because Mar And Marseille knocked out Monaco, which is a real worry, because usually Monaco has got a good youth system, and Marseille has ah. a terrible one. <laughs> yeah, so that's why Chelsea Monaco might be a very very interesting matchup of where the hell are they going to be in two years? Um, as I mentioned, so we'll come on to maybe the final thing, which is uh, just the the news that's breaking, broken, whatever. It's Adrian Rabiot's situation at PSG, uh, which is another kind of weird. Uh, weird situation where he's apparently not signing a contract extension. Someone at PSG has said, well, in that case, he's on the bench till the end of the year. The UNFP have put out what can politely be described as a sweary Facebook post as um, kind of an official communique saying this is uh, contrary to his rights as a worker and they are supporting him, and that he should be able to leave on a free in the summer. Le Parisienne is saying he's got an agreement with Barcelona. Other places are saying it's with Liverpool. Nobody knows what's going on. But 
this whole situation has been boiling for a while. It includes the ridiculous situation with the équipe de France, where he was left out of the the subs list after saying he didn't want to be on the subs list. He's a really good player, but where, Jess, where do you see him going, given the history he's got of just appearing to be lacking in perspective off the pitch? Um, first of all, it's, it's, it's a recommend, Connor recommended it to me just beforehand. Um, I recommend the UNFP statement because it's just a really bizarrely written yeah. thing. The whole thing is just like rhetorical questions. To well, this, I, I said uh, when we were discussing it earlier, it's a bit like when Bastia used to put out communiques, which are basically meters in the car park, you bastards. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it um, is weird. I think terms of where he goes from here as you said that you know there's no doubt that he's a very good player and it could be i'm sort of hoping for his sake that it is just that his time at psg has won his course as the UNFP statement says he actually has nine been years but yeah nine exactly, years, nine for, about, years. for about a decade now and you know I, and to an extent, I do understand. I don't think, you know, saying that he should get the same salary as Mbappe is a bit silly. But valuing himself maybe a little bit more than, than what he's getting at the moment, I, you know, I don't know exactly the salary, but that, that arguably is a, is a fair argument. And, you know, there's been all these ups and, ups and downs and I want to leave, I don't want to leave, I want to pay rise, I don't want to pay rise. But, but I still would say for the most part, he's played well, he's played consistently. Certainly, I've said before, I think in the Champions League, he's turned up more than most teammates. When he has a bad match, I think he gets more stick than anyone else, and I'm not sure that's entirely fair. And he's entitled to say, you know, to reject um, contract offers and say, I want to leave, whether it's in January or at the end of the season, I want to leave. I, to an extent, in this situation as it is right now i think UNFP have a point and maybe it is psg who are being the, the petty childish ones at the moment um where he goes next wherever he ends up as i said you hope for his sake and the sake of his career that he, he grows up a little bit and stops with all the, the flounces and everything because there's you know there's no doubt that it has affected him not necessarily on the pitch but certainly his his popularity, his marketability, his farm's place for the moment. Mm. Um, and it probably is holding him back a little bit. But I, I don't think the fruit is all on him this time. No. No. Connor, would you yeah. agree well, with that? or pr Pretty much echo what Jez said. When, when you look at um, obviously the France squad for the World Cup, I, I think there was no real argument as to who was in the wrong. It was clear that it was more of the toys at the pram issue and Deschamps obviously said you know, this selection is made not only on the quality of the players, but on the unity. And if anything, that kind of backed it up, if anything, uh, once he uh, threw that hissy fit, really. So, um, yeah, this time, maybe his reputation is just preceding him. Um, I'm sure there's some blame on his side. I'm sure there's some blame on the other side. Um, but I, I think the interesting question is, um, you know, we, we didn't really get too much into but where he goes next. There's um, the links with Barcelona. You mentioned Liverpool, of course. Um, you know, he... He can't stay in France, really, because there's no club um, kind of that... Really, could afford him. Well, he could afford him. And 
I would say also meet his level perhaps is uh, that might be a bit harsh on you know maybe Leon uh, for example but realistically they don't need it mm. though well, and yeah, I think yeah, that's exactly. something that maybe <laughs> he may be hopefully coming to terms with yeah and is, then I guess that leaves a move abroad then doesn't it and yeah. if the Premier League's the big bucks or if it's obviously one of the bigger teams in Spain or something that seems the most likely really doesn't it mm. because the problem is, if it's about money, then the Prem's got money, but it wouldn't necessarily be the high-quality team he clearly aims for. But mm-hmm. if he can't get a starting role at that high-quality... I, I just think this one's going to run and run. And I would be nervous. If, if I was in charge of um, you know transfers for any particular team which I'm not which is probably a good thing but I would be nervous about him because it doesn't seem like he can be mature about the needs of a team to rotate and and have priorities so mm-hmm. I think we were talking about um, Salah earlier whether he could move on and then there's sort of almost diametrically opposed that Rabiot's achieved so much so young, but doesn't seem to have a great attitude. Salah, I think, has been relatively underwhelming for most of his career, but has got an absolutely flawless attitude. And, you know, it might just, I'm not saying it's, you know, it comes down to one or the other, obviously, but, um, you know, where they go, if they go anywhere, possibly yeah. depends a lot on what's I mean, important it, for their suitors. If they both ended up at Cardiff, you know which one would be the fan <laughs> favourite and do better. That's all I'm saying. And you know that. Um, (laughs) Rabio seems to have an idea of himself, which it's brilliant to dream, but, you know, he's already at one of the best clubs in the world and he's already kind of a key player. So that does seem very strange. And him going to Barcelona, I can't see that panning out at, at all. Really? The other thing is that PSG, you know, PSG need money. It's being yeah. a little bit yeah, which is one of the reasons to say it, we'll let him not leave him rotting on the bench till the end. This of the this whole then, stage in Qatar is all to get them out of FFP because you know they're going to get a lot of money from it. It's like well, that's not really the point, is it? Um, no, that, yeah, yeah, that was another argument that I got on Twitter actually. Yeah, which was, yeah, yeah but, they have know, to they go because to it their... will make them a lot of money. Well, yeah, but it's entirely their problem, their fault that they've got FFP problems. But also, you know, if they leave Rabio on the bench till the summer, then he'll go for free. He is still a good player. If they sell him in January and show a little bit more willing and more cooperation, they should well, get that's, a lot of isn't money. Isn't that what the UNFP thing is about? That he should be able to stay till the end of the season, go on a free to where he wants to go, but they can't bench him because that's an infringement of his workers' rights. Yeah. Yeah, which is, you got to love France. <laughs> this is brilliant. They're holding him out as basically a gilet jaune. Um, well, I, I but in, a, in a, a PSG Mayo, it's, it's, it's amazing. I guess this is the equivalent of is it Gordon Taylor at the PFA. Yeah, I know he's got issues at the moment, but you know, for as long as I've been interested in football, I think he's been the head of the PFA. And I don't think in that time I've ever ever heard him publicly criticise a player. You know, even Joey Barton has, has always got an excuse for him. <laughs> so, 
yeah, like I said, I, I don't think Rabiot has acted perfectly, but mm. yeah, it takes two to tango. Very much so. So looking forward to the weekend, game 19, the end of the uh, first half of the season. All games will allegedly be played at 9pm 9, 9 on Saturday. Uh, we've already mentioned that Monaco Gangon, the bottom of the table clash, will be an interesting one. Any other games on the understanding they do actually go ahead uh, that you want to point out? Connor, what would you pick from the weekend's action? Yeah, there's Hopefully not the multiplex. <laughs> yeah, well, it would be cross uh, fingers. Yeah, the the biggest multiplex going as they're all at the same time. So, um, I, I guess the the standout feature I don't think many people will probably disagree is Montpellier Lyon. Um, yeah, sorry, I had to say it. Just uh, you, you did tell me to say that, right, Phil? No, 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 <laughs> no. But um, yeah, I mean that that's got to be the standout feature. You look. Uh, across the others, it's mostly kind of uh, top half versus bottom half, apart from obviously, you know, you mentioned there, um, Monaco Gangon. So I think, yeah, it'll be interesting, especially as it's um, obviously on the south coast. Um, be interesting to see how, if Lyon can uh, finish off their good start to the, well, good first half of the season um, against the strong Montpellier side at home. So, um, yeah, I, I can't really call it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Jez, how about you? Um... Uh, I think Ren against Nîmes could be a good match. Nîmes were slight, slightly unlucky to um, to fall just short against against Lille at the weekend, but the, they do seem to be finding the form of the, the first two or three weeks of the season. And, and as we said, Ren, Ren are in a nice little spot of form as well, so I think that should be a good game. Yeah. So those are the ones we're looking out for, if they happen. Uh, so you're just going to have to keep uh, tuned in to see um, uh, see all the updates on that front. We may have something from Tarek on Lyon uh, coming up in the next couple of days as well. But otherwise, this is going to be our last pod of the year. Obviously, there's going to be a winter break after the next round until early January when the, we come back with the Coupe de France. We will be hoping to cover the Coupe de France in some way, shape or form. Need to organise that, Jess. Seriously. Um, so we will be back in 2019. So thank you very much for following us. Thank you for all your questions and your follows and your retweets. If you have anything you want to say or want to ask for the first pod of 2019, please do get in touch. Otherwise, I have been Philippa B and joined by Connor Ketley and Jeremy Smith. Yeah, thanks, Phil. Have a good Christmas. And a shout-out also to Chris, who is dealing with a family emergency, and Rich, who is dealing with a shitload of work, because that's what Christmas does to some people. So thank you very much for following, and we will speak to you very soon.